Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, ESPN Seth Walder joins me to break down some of the most exciting bets on the upcoming NFL season and the upcoming NFL draft at the Caesar Sportsbook. But first, wanted to tell you about another podcast, which is the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. Three days a week, you get Buster Olney, who's one of the best in the business, plus great guests like Mike Trout, top managers like Dave Roberts, and the insights of general managers like Brian Cashman, along with regulars such as Tim Kirkchin, Jeff Passan, Sarah Lang, and Carl Ravitch. That's the Baseball Tonight podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, joining me now, here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, someone whose astute knowledge of football plays out in many ways, whether he's breaking down our our new various metrics at ESPN to make them comprehensible, whether he is breaking down the game using a variety of data, whether he is using that huge, I I, I don't know, would you have a bigger brain if you were very smart at at astutely breaking down bets? What what would be, is your brain just working better? Are you using a, a higher percentage of your brain? I don't really know how the brain works is what I'm getting at here, Seth Walter. I don't know either. I feel no, no. like the, the the you only use twenty percent of your brain thing is like a a big myth, and you learn right. that it isn't true, right? Right. But I, it would be. Wasn't there a movie where someone like that was the plot of the movie that someone got one hundred percent of their brain? Bradley Cooper, Limitless, maybe. Limitless. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Limitless. A man who is limitless in his day to day life without using a significantly higher percentage of his brain than everyone else, but someone who is very smart and who I want to have on to talk about various prop bets that are being posted at the Caesar Sportsbook, a ESPN partner for the upcoming year of NFL action is my friend, the sports analytics writer for ESPN, Seth Walder. Seth, how are you? I am well, Bill, too kind, but always happy to talk sports best with you. Uh, I don't know. We share a lot and we share a lot in common thinking about thinking about the like <laughs> league in this like very specific way. I, I like to think and if, if I say something and you agree, then I'm like, oh well then I then I know I've got it. Oh no. Oh no. That um that may be a very uh financially dangerous philosophy for you to take on the NFL. Um, but maybe not. We will see. I I think we talked a bunch about this stuff already uh offline, certainly. A lot more has popped up in the last couple weeks, but I think there's some really interesting things we could talk about here. And even if you're not someone who's necessarily interested in gambling, I think just projecting what's going to happen next year or or going into thinking about, you know, where a line is posted for a team for win totals, which we're going to talk about, or why a team might not hit that total or might hit that total, um, you know, I think could be compelling to people. And some of the MVP odds could be interesting if you're trying to figure out who's going to break out in 2023. Last year, of course, Jalen Hurts. I want to say was at like plus 5,000 at one point, if I'm not mistaken mm, for wow. MVP and missed opportunity. Well, he, actually he didn't win. So, didn't win, but, but you may, maybe you got to cash it out at some point during the year. You know, it, it was certainly a fun sweat for sure. So we're going to talk about some of those awards. We're going to get to a couple of draft props or a draft prop later on in the show. We're going to talk about some of the individual awards, but Seth, let's start with, something that posted this past week over at Caesars and and the win totals for the upcoming season. So if you're uh, uninitiated, these are basically just lines for how many wins a team is going to have 
in the upcoming season. So we'll talk about one of them as an example here in a moment. But uh, just so you know, if you tie, that does not count as a win. It basically counts as a loss. So if it's over a, a certain number of wins, the team has to win more than that number of games to win. And if it's under, the opposite's true. They have to win fewer than that number of games to win. Most of them, of course, are going to be a half win. So uh, if it's over seven, if it's over seven and a half, if you win eight games or more, you hit the over. If you don't, you lose. And if it's under seven and a half, you have to win seven or fewer games to win the bet. So Seth, let, let's start with one that stands out to you as one that you found really compelling that perhaps if you're in a state where it is legal, you might want to wager on. I think the first one that jumped out to me is a team at seven and a half, and it was the Green Bay Packers. And you can get plus money, plus 110 on the over. And I kind of like that. I mean, I'm thinking about Green Bay in the post-Aaron Rodgers world. And sure, uh, you've got a total question mark at Jordan Love in Jordan Love, right? Like, we don't know what he is. The Packers are high on him. Uh, Andy Reid doesn't remember who he is. But uh, I feel like everything around him sets up to be able to have like a decent, decent season. Okay. Like mm -hmm. I'm a fan of uh, good offensive line. Sure. Christian Watson is my dog is chewing on his toy in the That's background. Fine. That's I've fine. Got dog, dog, dogs are always welcome here on the Bill Barnwell show. My dog does not chew on toys. It's actually very sad. My dog uh, will throw a toy at her and she will just kind of stare at it frisking and be like, what are you going to do this with this? This is not actual food. Um, wow. Which is very troubling. Uh, I, maybe you know, logical. Maybe to be fair, like, you know, self-selecting does make sense uh, for, for Maggie the dog. But I, I also think there's a self-selection element here with, with the Packers and Jordan Love, right? Like, you know, you don't want to defer to NFL teams being geniuses. You don't want to defer and say, okay, you guys know best. And there are other reasons why the Packers might want to move on from Aaron Rodgers. But I agree that publicly, we don't know anything about Jordan Love. We have not seen much of him. The boost in his numbers last year was one slant that Christian Watson took to the house for a long touchdown. But does it kind of seem telling to you, or at least give you some optimism that the Packers are willing to say, okay, we're ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers, you know, this four-time MVP, future Hall of Famer, granted who was bad, last, or not bad, but mediocre last year, um, bad by QBR. I think he was sub-40 QBR last year. But, you know, th th that they're sitting here and saying, okay, we trust that Jordan Love can be an NFL-caliber quarterback. Um, to me, that at least gives me a little bit of optimism that he'll be, if not Aaron Rodgers, at least a competent enough quarterback to hold his own in 2023. I agree. And I also think there's a world where he's just kind of met and they yeah. can still hit the over because yes. because of Watson, like you mentioned. Offensive line's pretty good. Like there's a lot of good players on that defense. I mean, Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Devontae Campbell. Like this team playing in the NFC, which is widely pretty weak, they're gonna face the NFC South. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of ways I think that they can be okay get to eight wins or nine wins without love being great. And then mm -hmm. there is a chance that he is pretty good, in which case you you kind of easily probably hit the over playing in, in that conference in that division. Yeah, the division, which I think is absolutely up for grabs. I mean, yeah. the Bears will be better, I, I would certainly figure, but the Vikings, um, they might be better in terms of their actual performance if you think that they were the seventh worst team in football by DVOA. I'm sure we're going to get to the Vikings perhaps later on in this segment, but uh, you know, certainly it feels like there's 
it feels like the Rodgers trade is baked into this line already. Like, if they had traded Rodgers a month ago, what would this line be? It feels like it would be exactly the same. So, you know, there maybe is some value in the possibility of Rodgers not getting traded and coming back, in which case I think this line is probably eight and a half or, or nine, maybe. You know, so I just think there's a lot of ways this could go well for the Packers. Um, and like you said, you're getting plus money. So that is plus 110. So if you bet $100, you're going to win $110. You're going to win. You'll get $210 back, your original $100 bet, plus the $110 in profit. So Lyon suggesting the Packers are more likely to lose, to, to, to come under this bet than go over it. So going for plus money uh, is a an opportunity here. I, I will go with the Vikings. I'll bring up the Vikings as well. Mm. Sort of like the obvious like low-hanging fruit here. Um, and, and I mean, I, I do think the market is not naive to the reality of where the Vikings are. I actually, I have a database. It just occurred to me. I could look this up while I, I'm, on, I'm on doing this podcast with you in terms of where teams with, you know, 13 wins like the Vikings had this past year and where their over-under was posted the following season. Now, granted, the Vikings are playing in a 17-game season as opposed to, you know, uh, the 16-game season from a year ago. But even if we say 12 or more wins, um, how how has there ever been a team in recent memory that had an over-under of eight and a half wins like the Vikings do this upcoming season. And I, I don't believe the answer is that there was one. I, I will look it up, but certainly not in recent memory. And, and I think that's, you know, people are not naive to what the Vikings are. This is a smarter, you know, public than we saw 20 years ago. The Vikings are a team that was very bad by DVOA, very lucky in one score games and a, a team that i think might be worse on paper than they were a year ago seth i mean is there are, are there reasons to be optimistic about the vikings where you would consider them to be even if on a 13 win team maybe a 10 or 11 win team next year the reason to be optimistic is probably just like the rest of the division Sure. I think the Bears could be still bad. The Packers, despite everything, forget everything we said in the first in the first thing, could you know are are somewhat of a question mark. And at, at best, I don't think are going to be like a great team. Uh, and they still have maybe the best wide receiver in in football and a couple of good tackles. And they do have some some strong players on defense. So it's like solid, which I think is reflected in their win total. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm talking myself into is uh, is not seeing a justification for like why they ought to be considered like a 10 or 11 win team. Like eight or nine, I think, is probably makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers were actually a team that recently they went 12 and four in 2020. And then their over-under was eight and a half the following season, but they did lose Ben Roethlisberger to retirement. So, mm. you know, that was a line. Actually, they went over. They ended up at nine with nine wins. They got there on the final week of the year, I believe. The 2020 Packers, also a team that was 13 and three and had an eight and a half over-under the following year. Of course, Aaron Rodgers then went nuclear and went back-to-back -back MVPs. So, you know, certainly... It's not impossible to think the Vikings could regress dramatically, which I think even the Vikings would tell you is likely to happen, and yet still go over 
eight and a half wins. But I also think there's the possibility that this organization, which is most likely moving on from Kirk Cousins after the 2023 season, if they get off to a bad start, if they struggle, they might just say, screw it. Like we're, we're moving on. We're going to, you know, tank or, or tank in one direction, one way or another this upcoming season. They get a first place schedule this upcoming year. If we're not playing a first place schedule the following year, um, they have some cap issues. So they have had to move on from some of their players. Some of their core players are getting older. Um, or I guess everyone's getting older, but some of their core players are, are, are past their prime. I, you know, I think this is a smart organization. So I, I never, I don't like betting against organizations that I think are smart, but it's easier for me to see this team just utterly collapsing than it is for me to see this team improving their performance to have a rec, you know, have, have an underlying level of play similar to the record they had in 2022. Ooh, but the, here's the thing: I, the fact that you like, they're a smarter organization. I like what you said about if they get off to a bad start, they could start tearing down maybe midseason. And I think the fact that they are smart, a smart organization is a reason why that's particularly likely. This is not a team like the market understands what the Vikings were last year, but I think that they also understand that. Like they haven't yes. done anything this offseason that says like, oh, we're a, you know, we're a 13 win team. We're on the, we're on the cusp of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not making those sort of all-in moves. So I think they already know where they are. And so the rational thing to do that football teams do not do enough is like when your season is, is a bust is like taking, taking whatever chips that you are, uh, you're expiring chips effectively mm-hmm. and cashing them in for, for the future. And I do, I hadn't, that I hadn't thought of that. And I do think that that is a possible, that is definitely within the range of outcomes here for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seth, give me one more win total you like for the upcoming season. I will go with I'm debating between two here. <laughs> I will I, go with tight Titans I, under seven and a half. Oh, really? Okay, that's one that's not on my list. Uh, okay. Pitch me on the Titans under seven and a half. Like speaking of teams understanding who they are and sure. To and rebuilding, like I think that's what we're seeing with the Titans. Mm-hmm. I have a very hard time looking at their offense and figuring out how it's going to be good. <laughs> I, the best player on the offense, like, is Derrick Henry going to be on this team? I think is like very much up in the air. That's a legit question. If I were running the Titans, he would not be on the team. Like, mm-hmm. cash in on him now. Uh, I guess it's somewhat more likely. Like the fact that he hasn't been traded yet makes it somewhat more likely that he's I, there. I, I wonder. There's a bunch of running backs, you know, a bunch of veteran backs. I think Dalvin Cook is in this group. Alvin Kamara yeah. is in this group. I sort of wonder if they're all in this position where teams are saying, okay, if we get a back we like in the draft, we're going to move on. But if we don't, then we're going to hold on to them. Right. I think that's right. Or alternatively, teams don't want to trade for Henry or Cook. Right. Exactly. Because they're like, well, we might we might draft someone. And so maybe it actually does they, you know, those spots do shake free. Mm-hmm. Um I just wonder if this is gonna this sort of all started to come crashing down at the end of last year. And I just wonder if this is gonna be the full the full like Kevin Byard, like Kevin Byard, is he gonna be on the team? Yeah. Uh like another one of these like uh, very good players on, yep. on the Titans. 
are they just going to like really tear it down, which wouldn't be, which would not be crazy. I mean, it really, it really wouldn't be. And, and just have a, a four win season and have this be an, an easy under. I can, I can really imagine that happening. Mm-hmm. I think I have a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel. I think that that's the only thing that, that scares me about this, but I, I mean, just like who on that offense besides Henry really scares you. I mean, you're hoping for just a monster breakout season from Traylon Burks. Uh, this is a, a team that they've already started, frankly, tearing a lot of this down. They've they've moved on from guys like Ben Jones, Bud Dupree, uh, Taylor Lewan, um, Zach Cunningham, a lot of guys who were highly paid players for them. And in most cases, did not go after significant replacements. We're looking at someone like Andrew, Andre Dillard, who was uh, disappointing in Philadelphia, moving from this swing tackle role now to being a starting left tackle in the NFL. Daniel Brunskill came over from the Niners to play left guard following Rand Carthon to, uh, to Tennessee. Um, if Henry gets cut, there's not like an obvious replacement on the roster. It's Hassan Haskins is the number two right now. They can still go out and sign somebody, but, you know, this is a team that's been very surprising in years past. They've defied a lot of the numbers. I know I've lost money betting uh, on the under for Tennessee the past couple of years. And, and I think, you know, you have to figure if they're going to win games, it's going to be with the defense, which I think is still going to be pretty good. They still have a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. With Derrick Henry just running through a mediocre offensive line, which is possible, I suppose. And with the division being bad and i think of those those different scenarios it is easier to imagine a universe where maybe the jags aren't as good as we expect and they take a step backwards and this is a division where you know unlike the nfc north where the vikings might not be incentivized to compete maybe tennessee you know if they get off to a decent start if, if everyone in the division is you know four and six after 11 weeks maybe they would be incentivized to go for it and try to win over the final few weeks of the year that's all fair. And I do like the Arden Key signing. Big, yes, big fan, big fan of, of that signing. But you, you've been grading many of these signings for us at ESPN. I have. I have. Arden Key, that was an A minus. Wow. Very solid. His pass rush win rate numbers were uh, like he didn't play enough to qualify mm-hmm. at edge, but if he had, would have been top 10 last season. Yep, for sure. I mean, he is a very underrated player who could break, could break out in a bigger role replacing Dupree this season. So, I mean, I'm, I I could see why you would say it. I I think it's probably one I would take the under on, but it's like, like you know, it's, it's halfway between something I'd want to bet and something I would want to avoid. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8-S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Um, I'll do one more as well. Do I want to do... There's a couple that have have heavy juice where you have to bet a lot to win. Mm -hmm. So I feel like those are kind of cheating. Like I have Giants and Saints unders, but yeah, I'm gonna avoid those. I will do Patriots over 
seven Ooh. and a half at minus one fifteen, and it's obviously a very tough division in the AFC North. I just, I, I have a lot of faith in the narrative there. Like I know it's it's very very bad idea to get kind of caught up in narratives when it comes to to putting money on the line. I just I watched how bad that offense was and how few answers that offensive coaching staff gave Mac Jones last season. The Patriots one year removed from a 10 and seven season where they had 12.4 Pythagorean wins last year, eight and nine with nine Pythagorean wins, obviously had two games where they would be huge favorites late in the fourth quarter, go losing, they lost them in crushing fashion consecutively to the Raiders and the Bengals. Um, if they win both those games, I don't think this number is seven and a half. I think it's eight and a half. Um, I, I just think on the defensive side of the ball, the Patriots, I have so much faith in their coaching staff to be consistently very good, more consistent than your typical defense when it comes to playing at a high level. They've, they've been able to, to lose players and bring in new players and succeed. And I just, I don't think Mac Jones is great, but I just have more faith this offense is going to look competent with a competent mind running things in Bill O'Brien. I, I just, you know, to, to me, I think the floor is a lot higher on this offense this year than it was a year ago. So they only have to get to eight wins. It'll be tough in the AFC East, but the Jets don't even have Aaron Rodgers yet. And we can talk about the Jets as, you know, with some of the concerns there. Uh, I, I'll go Patriots over, hoping they get to nine wins there uh, and beat, beat the seven and a half win total comfortably in the AFC East. I think I'm with you. It, like, okay, you said buying into narratives, but like yes. <clears throat> last year, the narrative where we were hearing out of, Patriots camp like the practice looked really bad and the yep. offense wasn't wasn't working like that all came totally true that was like that was very much true so I I don't think it's like the worst thing in the world sure uh, that that idea I think the only parts that scare me are the division I'm very high on Miami I think Buffalo is really good the Jets are going to be I think at least dangerous with Rodgers and then they're going against the a- AFC West uh and the in the NFC East, I believe. Uh, and that could be tricky. I'm high on Dallas. That was the other uh, Dallas over was the one I was debating on the, uh, on the other side. So like, it's just the schedule that bothers me, but Mm -hmm. I think everything you said, like makes too much sense for me to want to go the other way on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I could see making the arguments against it, but I think there's some possibility there. Okay, we could do, honestly, 32 over-unders, but we want to add some other stuff as well. Um, Let's hit MVP. So you can, in some states, uh, bet on the MVP award for the upcoming season. So these are all going to be plus money. I don't think there's... Is Mahomes... Mahomes isn't minus money this year. No, he's plus 650. Okay, so everyone is a... Every one of these bets is going to be for plus money. So whatever you're betting, you're getting that much in response. So uh, Patrick Mahomes, you just brought up, is plus 650. You bet $100 on Mahomes to win MVP. If he wins, you get $750 back. Your 650 bet plus $100 more. Um, with with the MVP, I, I know my instinct is to lean towards long shots. Um, I, I, how do you feel? How do you approach this, this sort of market? Same. I mean, it's just more fun i guess i'm trying to yeah i'm trying to like imagine a world where that can ha- that can happen i mean I, like 
where any, where these things can happen. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at long shots. Like, okay. uh, of course I am, or at least medium shots. Okay, like, yes. MVP is tougher than like some of the other awards. You can you know people can come out of nowhere. MVP, yes. it's so hard for non quarterbacks to win the award that at least medium shots. Okay, so give me one or two of your MVP. Do I do I want to start with the medium shots and then we'll go to the long shots? Sure. Okay. I think this counts as a medium shot. Yes. Um, probably not a bet I'm going to make. I don't think I want to root for this person, but. Oh, no. I know where this is going and I don't like it. I don't like it either. I feel like I'm not doing my job if I'm not like truly sure. analyzing sure. the football. Sure. So I don't feel good about saying this, but I have a hard time looking at Deshaun Watson at 45 to 1 mm-hmm. and not thinking. That he has a better chance than Trey Lance at forty to one. Oh boy! Uh, some of some of us already have some Trey Lance bets uh, uh, in the hopper that we were regretting already. So okay, uh, look, it like again, I want to stress, don't you don't feel good about it, but at the same time, like like I think, like, do you, let me ask you this. Okay, do you think the possibility of Deshaun Watson? being an MVP candidate and having people say, I don't want to vote for this guy, given what he's done off the field. It doesn't feel like that's priced into the line here. It's the one thing I would say. Ooh. Okay. I think it is priced into the line. You do. Okay. Like, I think that's the only, to me, that's the only reason why he is at 45 to one. Okay. He is going to, he's a one who was a few years ago was one of the very best, like, Young quarterbacks, but also just quarterbacks in the NFL. Sure, of course. He is playing now in a system that has made Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett look very good. Now, the flip side of that is like in the same season that Brissett looks great, Watson was horrendous. I mean, if he qualified for QBR, he would have been between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, which in 2022 is like quite the insult. Right. And uh, he didn't play well at all. And so, but... Like MVP is like, it's an upside. It's a right tail award, right? Mm -hmm. What if it all breaks right? And I guess I feel like it's possible there. I think not not just possible, like totally within the realm of, of possibility. And I think it is baked in. Like why, why is Dak Prescott 25 to one and Watson is 45 to one? Mm Mm-hmm. To me, like when we think about their upside, be like I would I assume Prescott will be better this year, but like their upside I think would be similar. But then Watson, people won't want to vote for Watson, which I think totally makes sense. I'm just thinking there might be enough people that would. Yeah, I mean, certainly. And I'll also point out, like Ray Lewis won defensive player of the year in two thousand. Uh, less than a year, or sorry, that would have been the end of the 2000 season after he had been tried, or he had Mm. been involved with, uh, allegedly with a murder case in January of 2000. So not out of the question that someone who is involved with something distasteful off the field or someone who's being alleged of committing multiple crimes off the field could win a significant honor. So, you know, I, I do think I, I think there would be some hesitation among voters, and I think certainly that would make it a, a different sort of bet to consider than other kinds of bets, but absolutely um, not something that is impossible by any means. Um, in that that ballpark, 
talked a little bit about Jordan Love at, at plus five thousand or mm. Jordan Love. I have him at plus five thousand. I'd also go with Kenny Pickett at plus six thousand, and I think there is a. I'm not a big Kenny Pickett fan. But I'll be honest, I wasn't a big Carson Wentz fan after his first season with the Eagles. And year two, he would have been the MVP, I think, if he had stayed healthy for those final few weeks of the year. Or at the very least, he was, I believe he was the favorite at the time, or certainly right up there with Tom Brady and I think Todd Gurley uh, in the discussion as well there in December of that season. So even if I'm not a fan of a player's game, I just think the circumstances tend to point out we've seen a lot of second year mvps in recent years Wentz would have won lamar jackson won patrick mahomes won uh you know certainly jalen hurts was a third year quarterback but his second year as a starter in the nfl so kenny pickett entering his second year as a as the full-time starter now for the pittsburgh steelers plenty of weapons around him on offense a very good defense that he could win a bunch of games if he does play well that, that could be a you know a 13 win team and win the afc north if the offense holds up their end of the bargain, a team that I think I'm not super optimistic about. But again, like the Eagles, not a team that I was, I was optimistic about them as a, a roster, but not about Wentz as an MVP candidate. And I think at, at plus 6,000, where, you know, you're getting 60 to one for the opportunity for him to win. I think there's at least the possibility of something exciting happening. That I think makes sense. It's like, you're trying to imagine the thing it doesn't have you you don't have to have seen it before because that's the thing we know that you you might not see it before it happens you're just trying to like imagine the chance the hard part with with well this is true for both those picks like the, i i i'm tempted by nfc quarterbacks because it just seems like you're so much more likely to be able to like strike it right and lead your team to be the one seed yep. which which gives you a better chance where it's just hard to imagine for like a picket yeah, that's true. No, that's fair. And I mean, Wentz would have been the one seed uh, if, if they were the one seed that year in the division. But again, the Eagles were, you know, second place last last year or in 2021, I should say, in the NFC East. You would have figured, OK, look at that that conference. You have Brady, you have Rodgers, mm-hmm. you know, you have um, Kyler Murray, you have Dak Prescott. It, it felt crowded, but I'm not, you know, obviously a lot of things sort of didn't happen and so it cleared out a path for Hertz and the Eagles to finish as the one seed and Hertz of course became you know he was the favorite for a stretch before he got injured in December so you know I think obviously having a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen is going to be more complicated certainly but um you know you never know what happens Allen could get hurt Mahomes could have an offseason you know he won last year and and no it happens but voters don't always love picking players back to back to win MVP if they can try to avoid it. So, you know, I, I think the the win total is big for me. You know, I think you have to have at least, you have to win your division at the very least. And I think having yeah. having a, a defense that has that sort of number one defense upside could help Kenny Pickett, or even if he isn't in, in sort of a tight race with some other quarterbacks and the numbers are not, you know, number one quarterback, uh, you know, level. If he's just very good and has a great win-loss record, that could be enough for him. That. That checks out. Okay, give I agree. me win total. Yeah. Yes. Give me a long shot or, or a couple long shots for you. Okay. Long shot for me. So like if another medium shot for me would be would be Prescott because I think that, yep. that because of that NFC thing. But in that same vein, Micah Parsons, 200 to one. Ooh. I'm just here's the world where I'm imagining. Yeah, it. what what has to happen for Micah Parsons to win MVP? 
I think that if Par- for Parsons to win MVP, and I actually think it might be harder now with the expanded ballots for mm-hmm. non-QBs, but let's just roll with this for a second here. Yep. I think if you get Dallas to win the NFC East, sure. And and be the one seed probably in the in the with 13, maybe 14 wins, mm-hmm. which I don't think is that wild. They're a good team. There's not a ton of other good teams in the NFC. And it's just like if the variance strikes right for them in a way yeah. that I think they've been good and, and it just hasn't quite struck right in a few years. It could, I could see it happening. And then if Parsons simultaneously like breaks the sack record, gets close. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting there with like, like what's the chances that Michael Parsons breaks the sack record this year? Is it like 2% chance? Sure. Sure. I feel like that's not unreasonable given how good he is. You put those two things together and I think we could see a world where that, where that happens. 201 would be, it might be fair. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say I see it as like a huge value, but I can see I can see that one in a way that's like hard for me to imagine. CD Lamb at two hundred to one, right? I, I think absolutely. You know, CD Lamb could have a two thousand yard season. Maybe that gets him there. I don't think it does. I think it would get back there if it was going to be a Cowboys quarterback. Right. But with Micah Parsons, there's not that sort of other player where it's like, oh, well, that guy's going to win instead of Micah Parsons. And I think. I did an article years ago and like what are the chances of a guy having a 30 sack season and I, the chances were not very high. I think, <laughs> I think I think it was one of those things where Von Miller said, oh yeah, I can have a 30 sack season. And I looked it up and I was like, mm. I did a Monte Carlo simulation and I was like, I don't think this is likely Mr. Miller. Uh, but with an extra game, you know, could, could Michael right. Parsons not just set the sack record, but set it by three or four sacks? Sure. Not out of the realm of possibility. So I, I would say I think Parsons is a very reasonable pick for MVP. I don't know if Zach Wilson also at two hundred to one, and I like Parsons. I can't over Zach Wilson. Like I, I couldn't. Like honestly, it. Like, I mean, I guess it's actually probably a good bet. Like given the, the chances of quarterbacks just getting way better, but such a I, I couldn't. I couldn't click. I, I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> hand over my money. Me neither. To do it. I I'll give you a super long shot. Ooh. I'll give you Elijah Mitchell at a thousand to one. Wow! Why not? I mean, if it's if you're gonna have a running back win this award, something spectacular has to happen. They have to get two thousand yards, and I would say probably twenty, maybe even twenty five touchdowns. They have to have a Sean Alexander or Priest Holmes or Ladanian Tomlinson caliber season. And Elijah Mitchell is not likely to have that season, which is why he's a thousand to one to win this award. But imagine a scenario where Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, which should not be that hard to imagine. Imagine a scenario where the Niners are starting Trey Lance at quarterback or Sam Darnold at quarterback, and Kyle Shanahan is just running the ball a ton, trying to take the game out of his quarterback's hands. And that that depth chart now at running back is not as imposing as it's been in years past, especially if McCaffrey gets hurt. Tyrion Davis-Price is there, but Mitchell has clearly been the favorite there. Jordan Mason is there as well, but Mitchell's been able to get a significant workload um, when he's been healthy, which granted was not pretty much all last season, but he's had games with 19, 17, 18, 18, 27, 27, 22, 21, 21 carries uh, in his rookie season. 
I'll do the math instead of doing all the nine games with 17 carries or more as a rookie and then 27, 17, and 11 in San Francisco's three playoff games in 2021. So we know he has that sort of workload in him where Shanahan trusts him to be a 20 carry back game. That's 340 carries over a full season if McCaffrey misses the entire year. Again, is it likely? No. Mitchell will probably get hurt. They'd give someone else some carries. McCaffrey's probably not going to miss the entire year. But at 1,000 to 1, I feel like it's at least worth having a conversation about Seth. Bill, I think this is genius. <laughs> I am. I, I, I didn't even scroll that far. But wait, hang on. This is genius because if the Niners get like 15 wins, yep. but they've split their quarterback time. Lance started the first six games and then exactly. Purdy took over. Or and Donald's in there, then well we have we have to give the award to the Niners. You know no, they had by far the most wins, but you can't give it to the quarterbacks. They split, mm-hmm. and so who is there waiting in the wings? Mitchell, who took over for the injured McCaffrey, and we oh wow again. But again, if it's if it's even five hundred to one, I would say no. But it's a thousand to one. Imagine, just imagine if you actually bet on Elijah Mitchell at 1,000 to one to win MVP, and you even had a a viable sweat in like the second half of the season, how smart you would feel. So smart. It would be worth it. For a dollar. You could just bet a dollar, I believe, if you want. Oh, wow. I love this one. Okay. There's a lot of 1,000 to one bets on Caesar Sportsbook for MVP. A dangerous way to to lose 20 bucks <laughs> if you want to just bet a bunch of those. But let's finish up. So actually, no, we're going to do the draft as well, but let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year because this is more of a wide open race for this award. This is my favorite category. I got one. Really? Can I give you, can I give you one, one shortish, one medium, one long? Of course, please. Okay. I think my favorite bet that we've talked about here today is the first one. Aaron Donald, 25 to 1 to win Defensive Player of the Year. This is a generational player in the NFL who was just as good last year. He just mm-hmm. got hurt. Like he sure. was, he was still, he, he was still as good. And, you know, previous, previous winner, of course. Here are the five greatest seasons of pass rush win rate at defensive tackle since mm-hmm. the metric was started in 2017. Aaron Donald in 2018, Aaron Donald in 2017, Aaron <laughs> Donald in 2021, Aaron Donald in 2019, Aaron Donald in 2020. Aaron yep. Donald in 2022 would have been in the middle of that if he mm-hmm. if he qualified. Yep. I mean, I know he's getting older, but like again, he was still really good last year. I, if there's a 5% chance that he wins this award, it's a value. Mm-hmm. I am all about Donald at 25 to one. Yeah, this feels like people skeptical of the Rams and sort of applying that to Donald, which maybe that's fair. Maybe they're not going to be a 12 win team this year, but they've been a, a a winning team every other season besides last year. And they still have enough key players that I think they can be competitive. Maybe not the winners of the NFC West, but at least be competitive. And I think the criteria for defensive player of the year is different than the criteria we talked about earlier for MVP, where you can win defensive player of the year on a, you know, on a good team as opposed to a great team. Uh in my opinion. Like the Rams were 10 and 6 in 2020 and Donald won MVP, did not win the division that year. Um so absolutely I think this is well within the possibility. In that same vein, I like Joey Bosa mm. at 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 40 to 1 where 
you're getting a player who we know has that sort of upside, a guy who can have a 15, 16, 17 sack season and be in the defensive player of the year discussion. He has not he's not been in that discussion before, but like we know he has that kind of upside. It's just health has been the issue for him. Obviously, he has to stay healthy, but if he gets 17 games in a row on a, a team that we expect to be good in 2023, I, I don't think it's out of the question he could post a 15-sack season and be in this discussion at the end of the year. I totally agree. I also think that it's like just because the Chargers defense hasn't been good in the past under Brandon Staley, like we know how defense goes. It, it could absolutely like they have good players on that team. It could absolutely turn around for one year and Bosa, like you said, comes up with 16 or 18 sacks and leads the league and the Chargers get 11 wins. And it's just I can I can 100 percent imagine that one. OK, give me your medium shot defensive player of the year award. Trey Hendrickson at 80 to one. Oh, he's on my list. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, good. like he's, you know, he's coming off a down year sacks wise, but like as we know, sacks can be pretty variant from year to year. Yep. But he's proven before he can do it, right? 13 and a half sacks in each of the previous two years. And it's not like he was worse last year. Like he he was fourth in pass rush win rate at edge. So like on a play to play level, we know Hendrickson was still was still like getting that kind of pressure. Yes. And he's on a good team. Like he's on the Bengals are good when you're on a good team, it leads to sack opportunities. And so he's another one that like, I don't think, you know, he could, I think he could easily break into that, break into that conversation um, with just like a little bit of sack luck. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're the, the odds are giving you very reasonable expectations. You're not looking for it to happen more than, two percent of the time but even if it does that's still going to be a significant value for your possibility of making money on this bet i had in that same ballpark i had chase young at 60 mm. to one um obviously a guy who we don't know how healthy he's going to be we don't know if he's even going to be the guy he was before his injury a couple of years ago but a player who certainly looked to be on that track after an impressive rookie season a very impressive college prospect, defensive rookie of the year in his first season. So again, who knows? You know, sometimes players get hurt and they're not the same. He's never been a dominant pass rusher so far as a pro, but we know he at least had that kind of pedigree coming into the NFL. He's a year removed from the injury. And, and again, you're not expecting him to be a, this guy regularly, but again, if you can get him to be an MVP or a defensive uh, player of the year winner, one and a half percent of the time you're 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 profitable on this bet based on your closing line value so um i think someone definitely worth considering at the 60 to 1 range there i think it makes sense you're chasing the upside we know he has the upside it's like it's not just his draft pedigree like <clears throat> he did it in the nfl he's farther removed from the injury like i think that makes perfect sense give me your long shot at defensive player of the year khalil mack 200 to 1 okay nice Kind of the same thing with the Chargers. Like, they could just be good. I feel like I've been lower on Mac than consensus for, like, most of his career. Mm -hmm. But – and he's obviously been – had a bit of a down year. But I just think if if things break right with that Chargers defense, he could rack up sacks. And I'm just thinking about, like, at 150 to 1 here is Malcolm Rodriguez, okay? <laughs> of hard knocks fame. You know, had a solid rookie season, the Lions linebacker. Sure. I cannot imagine a universe where Malcolm Rodriguez wins defensive player of the year this yeah. year. 
I can imagine a world where Khalil Mack gets the sacks and gets it done for one Chargers run here. Uh, yeah. It's not like that crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, had eight sacks last year, but was playing pretty much all season without Joey Bosa. Right. On the other side. So what happens if he gets single covered? You know, if he, he's, he's single blocked more often in 2023, could he have a 15 sack season? Again, is it likely? No. Is it possible? Yes. I also want to point out that you just took a, a totally random shot at Malcolm Rodriguez on what is his 24th birthday. So oh, man. Ha- happy, happy birthday, Malcolm Rodriguez. Uh, I don't know why you're 150-1 to 1 to win Defensive Player <laughs> of the Year, but I hope, you, I hope you do it now. Seth will sound very dumb to insult you on your birthday. As you're getting balloons, I assume you're going to have a nice birthday cake. I don't know why we're going in on you, so I apologize. <laughs> um, Ugh. I, I I had a non-pass rusher, which I know is unlikely um, to win MVP. I know pass rusher is the place you should go for defensive player of the year, not MVP, sorry. But I like Trevon Diggs at 150 to 1, mm. where the, the way for a cornerback to win defensive player of the year is going to be something like 10 interceptions and four touchdowns. Yeah. And we saw in 2021, he had that kind of season in him, 11 picks, um, two scores did not come close to win a defensive player of the year, unfortunately, but he's going to have a better cornerback across from him now in uh, Stefan Gilmore. The pass rush obviously is going to create a lot of takeaway opportunities. You know, maybe he has a 13 interception season or something crazy. Maybe he has that streak at the end of the year and it helps the Cowboys go into the playoffs as opposed to having a streak in the beginning of the season where he was intercepting passes and it kind of got lost in the shuffle during the second half of the year. I think if any cornerback is going to have the sort of season who can pull that off, it has to be someone who's very conspicuous. And I think Diggs has that sort of conspicuous playmaker ability in him uh, where, again, at 150 to 1, I, I, I think there's a better chance than that. I think that's, I think that's right. You got like, to get the picks. I think I, I was trying to think about that too. Like if, if there's a corner, who could it be? What, how would you feel? I'm just apparently going all in on the Chargers. What about J.C. Jackson for a huge bounce back interception year? I mean, it's possible. My it's only concern possible. is that he's hurt. Is that the my right. is, is he healthy? Whereas I feel like uh, with um, you know with Trevon Diggs, we know he's going to be healthy heading into 2023. But absolutely, Jackson, you know, if healthy, if he's going to play 17 games, could be in that discussion for sure. I would actually, you know what though, but if I'm if I'm choosing a 201. Corner. I think I would go AJ Terrell instead. Even yeah. Though I, like I just think he's better. Yeah, he is better for sure. But I wonder if he's as likely to have a ten interception season, which I think right. is the only concern. Um, okay, let's finish up, Seth, with a one draft prop each. So the draft, all kinds of draft props are out there. Um, you can bet on who's going to go first overall, who's going to go second, third, fourth overall, who's going to be picked by what team. Um, you know, all kinds of draft possibilities out there. But Seth, give me your favorite prop for the upcoming NFL draft. So we don't have our draft day predictor out yet. So I'm sort of flying on on vibes yes, here. That's fine. And Quentin Johnston, first wide receiver taken, plus 450. It kind of jumped out at me at first because like, I probably do like at least one of those PFF mock drafts a day and he, and that like really infuses in my brain, like how, where everyone is supposed to go. And Johnson, I think is the top ranked receiver on that board. Now I, I do 
like to like look at some stuff like Ben Robinson runs that grinding the mock site. And I was looking at that and Johnston was the first wide receiver taken for like most of draft season. Now he's been, he's been surpassed um, by, by Smith and Jigba. And I think, but the gap is not huge. Like it's Mm -hmm. 14 to 19. And so, and, and it's just been a recent move. And I just sort of feel like in general with, with draft props, we, there's so much we don't know a month out that like mm-hmm. I'm looking for that plus money because these things can move all around. Yep. And so I guess I feel like four plus 450 for a guy that for a consensus first round wide receiver right now considered the number two guy. I think I like that value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think absolutely. I think we're overconfident about Smith and Jigba being the first pick at wide receiver. So I, I think that makes total sense to me. I am going with a similar sort of pick, but a longer shot. I am going with Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon mm-hmm. corner, being the first defender taken at plus 2,800. Ooh. Um, I think everyone expects it to be Will Anderson. I'll be honest with you. I expect it to be Will Anderson. <laughs> but a couple, a couple reasons why it might make sense to go in a different direction there. Number one is that the Cardinals might not be making the pick. The Cardinals could use a pass rusher at three, but there's a chance they trade down to a team that drafts a quarterback at three, which would leave the Seahawks at five, presumably with none of the four prominent quarterbacks on the board. And if they can take the best defensive player available, they absolutely could take Will Anderson. But Pete Carroll, who loves cornerbacks, who's a corner a defensive backs coach, who you know loves getting players in the secondary. Would he be comfortable taking the guy out of the Pacific Northwest who's, you know, a, a prototypically sized cornerback? I think that is not out of the realm of possibility. Also, the Cardinals. I mean, they're the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals now or the head coach for the Cardinals. Um, is Jonathan Gannon, a guy who built his defense in Philadelphia with, with two expensive cornerbacks and Darius Slade and James Bradbury, a, a team that... Mm, you know, they they do need edge rushing help. Certainly, Will Anderson would be a logical pick for them too. But Monty Ford came from New England. He was in Tennessee. They, they've both used picks on cornerbacks high. Number three, maybe not. But I, I would expect to trade down. I would expect them to probably move down and for a team that's going to draft a quarterback. But if they don't, again, this is not, not saying he's the favorite. Will Anderson should be the favorite. But at 28 to one, that's something I would be interested in. I really like that. I think the logic is sound and like there's really only one guy in the way. Like it's not, it's not like I wouldn't say if, if like Will Anderson were, were just didn't exist. I'm not sure. It was not like it would be a slam dunk, Yep. but it's like, there's only one guy that's like a huge problem mm-hmm. uh, here. And so I like that because it's like, what, all it takes is one team to, for whatever reason, really to to not want him, and then Gonzalez could easily be the first non QB. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If Anderson's not the guy, it's suddenly wide open, and I think he's he's third or fourth in the list. But if you want a cornerback, I think he's comfortably become the favorite to be the first cornerback off the board. So I, I'm I'm going Gonzalez at, at twenty eight to one. Again, it's it's a long shot, but I think it's it's a reasonably priced long shot. Can I this Edison is not on the board and it's just sure. putting you on the spot, but I'm Please. curious. I noticed that Mike Tannenbaum, our, our coworker, had yep. Hendon Hooker in his personal mock draft going fifth overall. 
Mm. And so I wonder what, what do you think the line is right now? On I assume the line is four and a half on quarterbacks in the first round. Like I, I, I haven't seen this posted anywhere. I'm just wondering like, what do what do we think the price is going to be when, when it does get posted for, for more for, than... for number of quarterbacks in the first round? I think it'll be four and a half. Right. But like heavily juiced towards the under or not? No, I, I think it'll be four and a half with like, it'll be four and a half with like minus 120 for the under maybe. Okay. Would okay. be my guess. I, I could be totally wrong. I'm not good at pricing this stuff. Yeah. But, but I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility that, that even if the Seahawks don't take Hooker at five, that someone drafting at 28 or 29 trades down to a team that didn't land a quarterback in, in the top few picks and says, okay, we're going to take No, totally. I feel like my premise is that like people are on, I don't know who knows what, like, I don't know. We don't have a price here. I just feel like it's like one where I'm look, I was looking to see was that available? Could I, is it, could you get three to one on there being five quarterbacks taken? That kind of thing. I mean, we still have a lot of time between now and the draft and things would go very differently. Um, how often or how long was Aiden Hutchinson, the favorite or, or Ike Aquanu, the favorite to go with yeah. the first overall pick last year before the market shifted in the final 72 hours to trade. And Evan Neal, Evan Neal had a run too. Yep, absolutely. So a lot still to come here with, I think almost exactly a month to go before the draft. But Seth, if people want to check out what you're thinking about, whether it's gambling related, whether it's football related, where can people check out what you're doing? Best place is just, just on Twitter at my name at Seth Walder. Beautiful. And you're also on ESPN.com as well. Yes. Oh, sorry. I get that's like, Probably should be the thing that I, I plug <laughs> first. Also on ESPN.com. Yes, also on ESPN.com, but check him out on Twitter at Seth Walder as well. Seth, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to ESPN Seth Walder. Hope you guys enjoyed our thoughts on the upcoming NFL draft and or the upcoming NFL season as well. And some of our our favorite opportunities, of course. I would encourage you to be thoughtful about uh, taking it with a grain of salt. Certainly, you know, I might think something, but I get stuff wrong all the time. So I would I would listen to me. I would keep my thoughts in consideration appropriately. Uh, listen to Seth if you're going to listen to anybody when it comes to making smart decisions. But hope you guys enjoyed the show. More free agency, more draft content, everything coming up here over the next month as we approach the NFL Draft on The Bill Barnwell Show. So thanks so much for listening.